You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Hi, welcome to the SHL Talent Talks. And we're great honor today. We have Debbie Forrester with us from the Tech Talent Charter. And just to introduce myself as well, I'm the Global Head of Talent Acquisition here at SHL. And as a, an individual or a woman within the tech industry, I've worked in it now for 21 years and come from a computer science background from university. So feel very akin to the subject that we're talking about today. Um, and would love to hear more about you, Debbie. Thanks, Emma. Um, and it's interesting. So you're what I would call a purebred techie coming in, whereas I would yeah. say like a lot of women, um, I'm someone who sort of found my way in by side doors. So I am the CEO of the Tech Talent Charter. I was one of that founding group that was doing this on top of my day job, but it's not where I intended to, to end up. Right. Okay. I was ori originally from education. The accent, my accent sounds strange because I was originally born in the US, but I've lived in the UK for 30 years. So, so my route was different. I was in education and saw the value of tech first for our young people mm -hmm. and then how much women weren't involved then found myself working at policy level, then part of a startup that was about getting young people into tech, right. which we got 50% girls that were coming through, which is not a stat you hear very often. Um, and so found myself pulled into these discussions. And so for me, it's been more intensely working in and around tech for about 10 years now. And, and watching the journey people have been on trying to create more diversity in tech. Yeah, which is, you know, something coming from the tech and working within the tech industry. That was absolutely something we were focused on as internal talent teams. But also when I worked, you know, supporting the tech industry in agency environment, exactly the same. So, um, you know, starting off here in, in terms of the sort of the philosophy behind Tech Talent Charter, and you talked about it, TTC. Um, so what made you and prompted you to really dedicate that last 10 years to this well, area? It, it came about because I was fed up. Um, it, it came about when I was pulled into the discussion about women in tech. And then mm. my, one of my co-founders, uh, Sinead Bunting, had written the char charter and had this idea. And my first comment, I've got to be honest, Emma, was that if I have to go to one more roundtable event, on why there's no women in tech, my head is going to explode. I am, right, sick, okay. I am sick to death of just talking about the problem, but equally I'm sick of going to events that reinvent the wheel. And so, mm. so our goal was, what if we flip that? What if we focus only on the solution and we bring together everyone who has a vested interest in fixing that, whether mm. that be people who are employing tech people, people who are recruiters in the space and people who are doing things with individuals to get them into tech. And we, we began with the lens of gender 
because back in 2015, 16, 17, that was still edgy. You know, that was still edgy for companies to think about. Um, yeah, I agree. And certainly where, you know, uh, the organizations I worked with, 20,000 strong IT companies, um, I think our population was under 25% from a female perspective. Absolutely. And that was looking, that wasn't just looking at leadership, that was the individual contributors as well, which is, you know, based on today and what we're trying to do is, is low still. Absolutely. And I, but I think it is, and I, I'm not saying, yes, I am saying it. I think it is, it took <laughs> us too long. We spent too much time navel gazing and talking about the problem because that's a lot easier than tackling yeah. it through practical issues but i think what started happening and it was interesting on in like 2015 16 we were all doing this on top of our day job i was coming out setting up um, portfolio work and i offered to the group i'll just put it the middle of my desk now that was 2017 so that mm. was the year of gender pay reporting, Me Too, Weinstein. So, so this was the perfect storm. I love the mm. mantra, Churchill's never waste a good crisis. So that's why we decided to double down on gender first. It's not where we mm. wanted to end up, but companies were woke. And there were mm. companies who, who couldn't hide from the problem anymore and were willing to start. And so that's why we had that huge growth from March of 17, we had 17 companies on board. And by Christmas, we had 100. Roll mm. forward, we've just hit 500. So there's been this huge wow. growth of organizations who are on the journey. Because I think we've, we've figured out, haven't we, that it's not just a good thing to do and the right thing to do, it's smart business. You know, there's now the business case that solving it has a benefit, not solving it has a cost and risk. Um, yeah, and you're looking at, you know, how um, from a, a leadership perspective and the last, you know, the announcements over the last year with there's so many people, so many organizations now at sea level are really making a difference. And we're seeing our, you know, the, the, growth of female CEOs yeah. for very successful organizations and you know and it's and it's it was interesting I, I started feeding last year I don't know if you saw it I, I used to start laughing about it because otherwise you scream and I, I called it the the takeaway approach on of diversity and so you were getting those companies who wake up but some of them were just panicking and it was like a takeaway window of quick quick I need to hire two women um, two BAME a disabled and and a neurodiverse and an order of chips to go and, yeah, and it yeah. was that sort of scared feeling, whereas by flipping it by last year, more of our companies were happy to start saying, how can we be inclusive? Mm. How do we change our culture? That then means we're not just going to aim to get women, because if all mm. we did is get a lot of middle class white women, then we've not improved the diversity. But to actually think deeper and wider and look at ethnicity, look at social inclusion, look at those other protected characteristics and to move and that's why we've made that pivot we realized mm. by the end of 2019 gender was no longer edgy it was it was the goal and getting baked in and we pledged as the charter we always want to keep moving that dial so it's not mm. that gender is finished it must continue but we have to start throwing the door open wider you know i'm sitting here talking to you as a white middle-class woman 
All right. And so I have to be on the on the journey to look around and understanding what am I doing in terms of ethnicity for the charter? Mm -hmm. What are we doing when we're we're building on inclusion, thinking about neurodiversity? What are we thinking about social inclusion? So we all have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and we yeah. keep moving the dial that way. And that's where, you know, I see my role again as a white female um, is being an ally, to, ally towards that. Yes. And one of the things that I think attracted me to, for example, coming into an organization like SHL was that actually the, the products that we supported and use were focused around identifying abilities. Yes. And actually what people are capable of rather than do they fit the criteria of being between a certain age bracket? Do they have they been to the right university? Have they done this? And do they know somebody in the company? And from being being at an organization, you know, that would consume these products, it it was great to come in and be somewhere where I could help influence. Yes. Um, um, and help others create an unbiased process yes. um, in terms of the, you know, what they're advising. So in terms of what um, TTC do and how they are positioning the organizations, these 100 plus affiliates that have, have signed up. Oh, we're 500 now. <laughs> 500, wow, yeah. wow. Oh, that's music to my ears. Um, so how are you kind of advising those organizations to, to run that rigorous process, not only from within, but in terms of their, the talent piece of managing and bringing in those talents? Yes. And I, I think what we, we say to companies first is to realize this is a journey. This mm. is not, you don't get a vaccination. You don't get a DNI vaccination and you're done. And yeah, it is there's no going, silver bullet. Exactly. Yeah. And that the path for each company is different and they need to find one that makes sense for them. It needs to be mm. data driven. It mm. needs to have senior buy-in and it needs to be driven from the culture outwards. You cannot recruit your way into inclusion and diversity. You have to rethink processes. So, so the way that we do that with our 500 signatories is the commitments they make, it's free to join. What we ask for are some things that are much harder. They must have a senior signatory that commits the organization to mm -hmm. making, moving the dial. They must have an internal plan, but even more importantly, they must be willing to collaborate and to share what works and doesn't work, not to treat it like a trade secret, and to share data. Now, this is a scary thing for companies, but mm -hmm. it is the price of admission. If companies submit the data to us once a year, they get to remain. If they don't, I remove them. Right. From that, okay. our companies come together, and it is about talking what works and what doesn't work. It is really mm -hmm. focusing on the practical, and it means that we've been able to create things like we have a free open playbook of best practice where companies can go and find tools, resources, explanation, links to everything you can think about, whether that be how to improve my culture, remove unconscious bias, how to become an anti-racist employer, how to become, how to develop employer resource groups, how to become more disability friendly. And so this is companies stopping treating this like a trade secret. It mm. is about being able to, to think about how they can collaborate to move the dial. This is too big a problem for any single organization or initiative to fix. This mm. has to 
see a long journey of organizations really working together to share on what works, to risk making some mistakes and to do what's uncomfortable in mm. order to start moving the dial. Yeah, and, and, and I always see in these initiatives, it's great having the, the focus and the structure from the leadership, but it really is the employees that need to own and drive this kind of activity. Absolutely. It's, and, it, and that goes back to culture. And culture yes. is not created by policies and CEO state of the unions. Those are part of it, but it mm. is actually bringing everyone along helping everyone understand how this is not a zero-sum game. This is mm. not white, middle-class man, bad, everyone else good. Everybody yeah. has a role. Everyone can be an ally, a champion. Um, everyone can be on that journey to help bring our whole selves to work. And mm. it is, it does have to work. And I think even more, Emma, than the grassroots level, the place where it often breaks is in the middle. Middle management, that uh, pressure right. middle. Okay. And so it is about providing the training, the support, the tools. And it's what I love about what I said child does. I mean, again, in order to change this, we have to completely rethink recruitment. We have to completely rethink how we promote. So we need to help equip people with processes, tools, ways of thinking to do things differently. Yeah, and that's where, um, you know, having a clear focused recruitment cycle works and making sure that you know you're not um for example a lot of organizations they just focus on promoting roles on linkedin yes it has a diverse audience there but you know for example in the uk we've we've um signed up to some sites that specifically focus on um, individuals with disabilities and um and we've done you know we're doing in region um job boards as well yes. not just working with you know um one global provider um we've added in you know since since i've joined we've done drinking our own champagne we've been clear around our assessments which our team everybody takes the same assessments there's so a consistent um process to them everybody gets interviewed by uh, somebody in my team that focuses on that cultural capabilities they go through assessments they then also go through competency interviewing as well and again identifying and using our own ucf so the university competency framework to make sure we have that consistency all the way through and i know some companies aren't there yeah um, which, you know, is, I find very surprising. But it is, and it is that definition of, of insanity, isn't it? There are some yes. companies that are doing things exactly the same way and expecting yeah. different outcomes. And I, I love the companies that are willing to flip it. I was in a meeting once with some people from Canada, from the Canadian embassy had come across and they were talking about what they did. And I'd never thought about it before, but obviously, so they, they were doing the first step of trying to anonymize application forms. Well, right, obviously, okay. this was, if you think for French speakers, if you're going to make it gender neutral, you're going to be changing, not just the nouns, you're going to be changing. I everything, yeah. isn't it? So this was, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was my head exploding moment of, oh yeah. my God. That, and what they found, their first comment was at first, companies were starting to look and say well it created a swiss cheese sort of cv but yeah. it's but instead of then throwing up their hands and saying this was too hard they there were some companies that were completely rethinking and saying well actually why do we use cvs 
Why yeah. are we asking these questions? What does it really matter? Which university? What does it? And they, they flip to, as you say, and a criterion and assessment based model. And yeah. because you know, and I know going to a university, one university over another does not guarantee um, I, yes. the ability or I, culture of the thing. <laughs> but we know that and we laugh. But yes, people but build people it in as if it's do it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we've had to, you know, and I, I we've we've gone through an education process with the hiring manager in the UK recently who exactly that. And interestingly, the person who started wasn't the person from the top university. And, um, you know, you have to deal with those. And it's running a, you can say, is that unbiased process. But certainly, you know, organisations that maybe don't have robust ATS systems where you can apply in a certain way that isn't taking age, sex, all of that, and it's having those companies to actually buy into that kind of process to them, opposed to somebody shooting a CV and applying via LinkedIn. Um, and I think that's where TA professionals really need to validate their roles within an organization to create the engagement. Yeah, the attraction piece is huge. And it's exactly you've got a sanity check it with the data. You know, and this exactly. is the, too often we say, well, that feels right or that's working, isn't it? But it's only yeah. when you really start digging into your data. And that is something companies of any size can do. You know, I think it's sometimes daunting if you think about, well, we're a huge organization. How do we possibly do it? Or we're a tiny organization. Mm -hmm. But it is understanding where you are. And I, we always say the first point is understand your data both the yeah. qualitative and the quantitative data. And it's things like, if you have no women applying for a role, you need to ask yourself why. If you yeah. find that again and again, you're not getting any diversity in terms of ethnicity, you ask yourself why. But mm. data doesn't give you the answers, but that's where you start having the interesting questions. And then my, you know, this is the, the reason for the Tech Talent Charter. You don't have to reinvent the wheel yourself. Once you know your questions, you can begin looking and finding answers out there. It doesn't have mm. to just be invented here. There are some great approaches, companies, organizations, initiatives that can take companies wherever they are to help them on the journey on, to start moving towards being more inclusive. Yeah, and that's where I think the benefit, you talked about your playbooks. Yeah. Uh, that's coming from, and I imagine, Debbie, that's coming from your coaching and um, working with organizations. So you're getting that feedback to make sure. Uh, it's even, yeah, it's even better than that. One of the blissful things of the Tech Talent Charter, our playbook grows because we push out through our network and we create the content through our hackathons. And the hackathons are because we reach okay. out, we ask for experts. So we just finished a hackathon, uh, three weeks ago, sponsored by Nationwide and Sphinx. We had four teams that had between five and eight people, experts mm -hmm. from across the DNI space that created for us some great, great resources for organizations that want to look at the anti-racism, to look on the back of BLM, everything from the black allyship and, and a, mm -hmm. a education piece, resource groups. And this is, they, those experts came together for us and went across the space to gather what's best. So mm. it's, again, it's not even for us as the charter, 
I don't pretend to be the expert in holding all mm. knowledge, but we have a network that does. And this is where you start getting greater than the sum of its parts. We can push out questions, tough questions across the network to get really powerful answers and then to mm. bring them together in one place. And that sounds great for somebody, you know, for an organization that's just starting to really, well, not just starting, but most of looking to formulize thoughts. And it's, um, yeah, and, but it's, it's unknown and it's a very large subject. And I think, but it's interesting. We did something, one of our events recently, and it's gone into our YouTube channel, was talking about people to make the most of the charter. And mm. it was people at all stages. So the company that was at the start, we had some people talking about, well, all I'm doing is I'm using the data to understand where we're behind and we're looking at the open playbook. Another one was from uh, someone who was new to DNI, but in a larger company who was on the journey. And mm. she was working with us and using what we did to sort of strengthen her arm, prick the mm. conscience, prick the ambition. So when somebody had said, well, what can you possibly do? She had the power to say, I know four companies who did, and here are the examples of. And then mm. the company who'd been on the journey for some time, it was a great opportunity to raise their profile, but to know there's always something new to learn. That mm. you, you share, because by improving the sector as a whole, we all benefit but there's always something new to learn. There's always something that we can be improving because nobody has it fixed yet. I don't have a single company who says, you know, done, we got our DNI badge, we're, we're good. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, I suppose the only way you can see it by actually looking at their, their makeup of their organization of the, the diversity that's in there, but not everybody promotes that kind of thing out there. So how can you tell that, anybody is doing it right. So um, just, a, just a thought, um, you speak so passionately about what you do, Debbie. What's been, and you mentioned you've been doing this for, for 10 years, what's been the sort of key highlight for you over the last 10 years? That spirit of collaboration. You know, 10 years ago, you really had to fight. You really had to work. Mm -hmm to get companies to understand this wasn't just a nice thing to do. Mm. Um, five years ago, you were fighting to get people to think about this is something they had to actively work on year in, year out, and to collaborate. What I'm excited now is even, even with COVID, even with everything that's happened, the companies that we have who are saying, we did a survey recently, and it came back 60% of employers were saying, even after COVID, DNI was a priority. Mm, and for, for me, that's what's been exciting. And to, to watch, even on the back of all that was painful coming through BLM, to mm. be able to say, and here are the companies who are going to do much more than a hashtag. Here are mm. the companies, here are the individuals, and, and to be able to provide resources to people to say, and this is what you could start doing right now today yeah. and i think and i that i think for me when i i saw you know i know andy bradshaw our ceo but there was there were so many ceos that came out and actually was just not just putting out a pr statement they actually spent time themselves at home mostly in their little offices at home and recorded something to get their voice heard in that way of actually putting a stake in the ground around the blm and i think that has 
um, been, and I can only talk as an, an ally again, I can't talk for my counterparts within the organisation, but I hope that's been another great catalyst to really bring this forward. Do you know what I loved about it was the, the one phrase that I think has been a powerful step forward is, and I, I say we start this with the lens of um, ethnicity, but I'd put this across the board. It's no longer enough just not to be a racist. We have to be anti-racist. And you can look at that across the board. It is that feeling. And I think that is the opportunity we have mm. in 2020 and going forward. We've moved past just talking about the problem into talking about solution. But now it becomes that obligation for all mm. of us. And that gives us a role, too, that mm. as a white middle class woman, there's, there's my chance because I need to be anti-racist. I need to ensure that I am working to change how people feel, act, and what's being replicated. And that, to me, is where we're starting to have some powerful discussions and some powerful planning and thinking. And, you know, I said at the early part of the call, and, and you know, we never waste a good crisis. We use Churchill's never waste a good crisis. <laughs> well, baby, from 2017 to 2020, COVID, BLM, we have certainly got out. So I, we're out again and we're going to paddle as fast as we can. You know, after the hashtag dies down, we're still pushing while mm -hmm. companies are awake, while people are awake to really keep moving this dial forward. Yeah. And that, that is so important within the tech industry. Um, you know, certainly, you know, from, from my experience of having leaders where, you know, the only person on that leadership team firstly was a woman and all of that um, leadership team were white males oh yes There's no uh, and of a certain age so there was yep. no diversity at that point and you know our organization was always you know we were driving with that one perspective where actually you know the beauty of technology it, it doesn't discriminate against yep you know anybody can use zoom anybody can do this anybody can use an app anybody can play Fortnite. and i also and i would go even a step further the thing i like about it is covid absolutely under, underlines what i've been saying for a while we have anyone who needs tech talent and if there's anything covid showed us is that every business is a digital oh, completely. So, yes. so it becomes part of the cunning yeah. master plan for good that yeah. if we can really move the dial on diversity and tech we are actually getting footprint into potentially every single company because mm. they will need that and from that you can build outwards yeah and that you know i've sat on the side with this digital transformation even more so accelerated again something accelerated in our industry to do it and you know and the beauty is um that i think the positive that's come out of that not only for every organization is the flexibility that they've given some of the employees again yes. changing that culture around being able to manage having your kids at yep. home being able to um, accommodate times yes. if you've got a young family and you necessarily, there's a certain time in that day that just doesn't work for you. 
um, there's the, been the bit where you can do Zoom meetings, but your network might not be great. We've got, I've got some of my team where their location doesn't necessarily give great internet bandwidth. Don't turn your camera on. Just yeah. when I tell you, all it, those things. I think it, there's, I think it, but two things into play. One, it showed the issue of digital inclusion, again, wasn't just a nice thing to do. This, yeah. you know, in the last eight months, we've seen digital inclusion is essential for survival, yeah. that, that this is yeah. something we need to push across the piece. And the other thing I did like, so a lot of companies that are on the journey to have more inclusive cultures use the phrase, bring your whole self to work. Well, COVID brought your work to your whole self. Uh, oh, completely. And, <laughs> and, it was, and it's been interesting watching the journey of some managers who actually have to see, this is the challenge for my team. This yeah. is the, and, and, you know, having to look and think about mental health and having to mm -hmm. think about the, the challenges that are paying and they get to bring their whole selves because their children might be chaotically behind them and doing yeah, all this. Catwalking past. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so it's it's that and that's not to downplay COVID did show us not, we're not all in this together you know it, it did show us this idea of, of digital inclusion is essential mm. for people's well-being their economic well-being their mental their physical health and mm. and BLM reminded us mm. how broken things are and mm. that, that we have an obligation to make a difference. But I will always be that pragmatic, bullshit optimist of saying people are woke. And while people are woke, let's get to work. And there's lots to be done. But there's a lot of people who right now are willing if we just get out and start really pushing these messages home. Yeah, I agree. And you see it, you know, Articles, magazines, it's not just, for example, certain pockets of population either. Even, um, you know, my parents are talking about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the more mature individuals are talking about it. And, you know, it's not just something that's dedicated to, is it Generation Z? Yeah to change the world it's actually it is going across all generations now and i think that's the difference this time and and we've been on a painful journey and i've been proud of some of my signatories who as companies were willing to do these town meetings and mm. to hear to hear the difference between what's policy and said on our website and what the reality is and mm the microaggressions that people can experience, whether knowingly from others or unknowingly, there've been some difficult truths. There've been some painful things and it has been uncomfortable. And I, I, I'm absolutely with people who are saying we all need to get comfortable with mm. being uncomfortable. I'm still on a journey learning to get my pronouns right and really understand on the LGBTQ, cis non-binary world and I get it wrong and I, I need mm. to be pulled up when I get it wrong and I need to be educated on that I need to understand the experiences of mm. people who are black who who across and even to say you know when we talk about ethnicity it's more than just the black experience mm. and I had someone who was talking to me even to understand that if we talk about the black experience are we talking 
um, from, from the US black experience? Are we talking about a European black experience? Is this an African experience? It's, it's humbling, but exciting to understand how much we need to understand mm. and, and the opportunities and the doors we can open for people. Um, mm. Gender started turning the, the knob and opening the door. Mm. It's time now. And I think those of us as women who have benefited from that dark door starting to open, we have that obligation to, I mean, just block the door open. <laughs> when we get our, our place at the table, change the table, bring in more chairs. We've, we've got to lead the way in bringing men and helping them see where they can have a role and be allies. But then mm -hmm. how we don't just look for allies. We actively look where we can be champions and allies for others. It's, it's mm. time to get to work. Agree. Agree. Um, and thank you. Thank you. In terms of, um, I suppose you, um, we've got around the race and authenticity piece where the tech talent charter is moving to. Um, what are kind of the key plans that you have over the next sort of six months or onwards yeah. around that working with those 500 um, organizations? So we, we always start with data. So this year, um, for our annual report, we are strongly encouraging um, uh, all of our members not just to fill in the gender piece, but to look at ethnicity. And that's preparing them for next year, we're going to require the ethnicity data as well. Right, okay. Um, it is in our open playbook. We've already begun um, sections of the playbook to touch on issues like ethnicity, neurodiversity, disability, etc. And we're mm -hmm. going to carry on with our events, our working lunches, themes at our national event, to, to try and get people on the journey in the same way that they have on gender. The great thing is we're not reinventing the wheel. There is some great practice out there and we have some great partners We're working with a lot of organizations who've been doing things in these spaces for some time. So where it's good, I just signpost it. We don't need to create it. We signpost, we work with organizations to help make that happen. Great. So if you've got an organization that's listening now or somebody who's wanting to focus on their DNI, be it from an employer or a leader, um, what's the website? It's www, all one word, techtalentcharter.co.uk. And from there, you can find the information. And that is open if you're an employer, if you're a provider, if you're an organization that is doing something in the space. We want you in the room. It's free. It's where you collaborate. We connect the dots. And I really encourage anyone, follow us on uh, Twitter. Um, it's at techcharteruk or you can find us on LinkedIn. We're, we're everywhere. Just look out, you'll find us. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Debbie. It's been a great conversation. No, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's always wonderful to speak to somebody who's just as passionate to making this, um, you know, for, for making the changes as best as we can do as individuals and act as allies across the board, but also making sure organizations change. For the best. Get to work. Yeah. Get to work. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. The, the, time, the time for talk is done. Let's get to work. Super. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Emma. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. 
To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com.